I'm at the grocery store at nine. I've been using the van here, going to be back it up to the loading dock where the big trucks usually are. So the dock is kind of up here and I schlep these heavy boxes of food into the van and we bring it over to the Keefe Center. Every time we come in, a handful of people stop us and kind of go, what are you doing here again? What is this? How can I get involved? And we encourage people to come in and leave a message for us at some point. And most people say they will. It's super easy. It's not something that you're going great lengths for. You, you simply take the box out of your cabinet and put it in the box outside of your dorm room. It's not like I'm running a mile or, or doing rocket science. It's a super easy, simple thing that can go a long way. Welcome to episode three of Hunger in Hamden, a production of the Quinnipiac University podcast studio. I'm Chris Roush, Dean of Quinnipiac University School of Communications. In our first two shows, we looked at what it means to be food insecure in Hamden, Connecticut, where an estimated 12% of residents don't have a reliable supply of nutritious food, and how community leaders and volunteers are helping feed the hungry, both physically and emotionally, at the M.L. Keefe Community Center and at Grace and St. Peter's Episcopal Church. Now, we're going to look at three ways Quinnipiac University faculty, staff, and students are joining the fight against food insecurity by going off campus and into the community. First up, here's Quinnipiac University journalism professor Amy Walker, who along with her students, set up a story booth inside the Hamden Public Library to educate town residents about the problem and hear firsthand accounts from those struggling with food insecurity. My name is Amy Walker. I'm a journalism professor in the School of Communications. The story booth is right at the entrance to the Miller Memorial Library in Hamden. It's on Dixwell Avenue, sort of across from the government center. We wanted a physical spot where we could have residents come in and respond to a question, share personal experiences, personal stories, ask questions of their own. We basically have like a two foot by one foot chat bubble that says Hamden Story Booth, white letters on orange. The story booth is basically like a modern phone booth. It's this giant white box and it's used typically as a privacy booth in workplace environments where people are in cubicles and they need to maybe make a quick private phone call. And so you can imagine an old phone booth and you open the door and there's only enough room for a bar stool inside and there's a small desk and on top we have a microphone and a recorder and a start button and basically a question for residents to respond to. So we say one in six Hamden children and one and eight adults have limited access to food and then we ask people to respond if that surprises them. We had one woman come in and say, well, no, that doesn't surprise me because I just signed up for food stamps this morning. Hello. Um, the question is, uh, one in six Hamden children and one in eight adults have limited access to food. Do those stats surprise you? Well, um, it's not surprising to me today. Um, it was the first day I actually went and applied for food stamps for me and my baby. Um, it's definitely a situation I never thought that I would be in, but here I am. Another woman shared her story about 
feeding neighbors on the weekend and how the mother of the children, the neighbors, would lock the cabinets so her kids wouldn't eat between meals. And she got this woman telling the story, got very emotional. She talked about how sad it was and how hard it was to see a family struggle like that. When I was living in Hamden two years ago, um, I knew a family whose uh, mother worked as a, a nurse's aide and she had three daughters that I was very close to. And she actually kept the cabinets in her kitchen locked so the kids could not get a snack if they wanted to, um, which kind of amazed me that that would be how people lived. And, and the children were often hungry. We would feed them every time, every Sunday. We, they would come over for dinner. And I always got a hug and a kiss after uh, feeding them dinner and a thank you without fail. Um, and it kind of broke my heart. So we've had a lot of young people come in and say, I didn't realize this. I'm saddened by this. How can I help? I'm nine years old, and I think that it is very surprising that one in six Hamden children and one in eight adults have limited access to, f to food. I, to me, that seems very scary to have limited access to food. I would not want to live in that condition, and I think it's sad that some people do have to live in that condition. Having well, residents that have limited food to access here does not surprise me. I wouldn't be shocked if that many people have no food. It does surprisingly hurt me because I wish that people out here could have food and it would be really nice for them too. I want to, uh, I would like to help people in any way, shape, or form, but I do not know how to do that right now. My family has a good enough amount to eat. I get fed well each day. Uh, but this limited access to food in residences does not make me feel happy at all. We've also had people come in and say, well, that does not surprise me, either because they work with people who struggle to get access to food or they themselves have had experiences with it. We are oftentimes in Hamden part of what's considered the working poor. Um, and when I myself was in this situation, I was married. Um, my children were small. They were three and one at the time. Now they're teenagers and Right now we are very well off, but during that time, um, things were difficult where we would consider, you know, we really had to cut corners to provide food for our family. Um, sometimes there are events in our lives, such as unemployment, that can't be foreseen and, um, you know, it, it results in a situation where you are trying to literally figure out where the resources are going to come from to um, provide food, meals for your family. It doesn't surprise me that one in six children and one in eight adults in Hamden have limited access to food because I've done work with the Connecticut Food Bank and I've learned a lot about um, hunger in Connecticut, but it makes me wonder where the food bank is in Hamden. 
I'm Mikhail Mendegral. I am a Quinnipiac University Journalism and Graphic Interactive Design student. I'm working with Amy Walker this summer on the Hamden Hunger Project. We spent a lot of time at this audio booth, and I think it's exciting for especially the younger generations to come in, and I was someone it's like a little room in here. I would love to have this and study, walk in. And you get to put on a light. You have your own privacy, like even if you don't have that at home. Say you share a room with siblings and you can't talk about what you've been feeling or maybe that you're hungry because you didn't get enough to eat last night. You come in here and it's like your own little space. It's definitely, it's definitely something I've never even gotten to experience before. So I think it's exciting for everyone in the community, young or old, to come in and they're always like, wow, what's going on over here? And just step inside and see what it's about. I mean, even if you don't have a personal experience with hunger, you probably know someone who has or the question we have might get you thinking about it or shock you a little bit. There's so many people around you that want their voices to be heard and you have to give them the opportunity to share. As that's your duty as a global citizen is to listen to everyone around you, not just the people that share your demographic or your common uh, location geographically. As part of the Hunger Project, we started a texting program, essentially, where uh, residents can text the word hunger to 888-111, and they'll get text reply back from us, an automated reply with a map and a calendar view of food pantries and food banks. And one of the reasons we did that was because we found out from the Hamden Task Force and the United Way that something like 60% of residents who are in need of extra food don't know where to go to get food services. And we felt as journalists that we could be advocates for information, public information that people need and have a right to have but are struggling to find. And so we put up billboards around Hamden, focused on Dixwell Avenue, basically advertising the texting platform. And we've had over 70 people subscribe. We've had hundreds of views. I think it was over 700 views of the map. So it's getting shared. People sign up and then they share it with other people. So that's been exciting. And um, we've also used the texting to reach back out to the subscribers get feedback and connect with sources for the students. So we had one student meet with a woman who had just moved to Hamden, saw the billboard, texted us and reached out to get the map of food pantries and one of our students joined her kind of standing in the line and it made for a really cool story, a really richly more deeply reported story than I think we could have pulled off otherwise. I've also done some work just going to community meetings, covering everything I can, but I think it's really great that Hammond's been doing so much. It really keeps me busy. There's food security task force meetings all the time, and there's people going that have stories that they want to share, so I think it's important to keep my ear to the ground. I've had to really stay up to date on, like, what are the process people have to go through? Like, what are all the steps you have to take to fill out a SNAP application? It's not easy for people to get the information they need, let alone the food they need. So I think it's it's been a learning process for me this entire time and I'm still learning. To hear more stories, go to hamdenhungerproject.com forward slash storybooth and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Hamden Hunger. If you'd like to leave a message at the story booth, it's open daily in the lobby of the Miller Memorial Library at 2901 Dixwell Avenue in Hamden. Now here's Professor Suzanne Hudd explaining how and why she rescues produce from a local grocery store each Tuesday. I'm Sue Hudd. I'm a professor of sociology at Quinnipiac, 
and I have a class called Social Stratification that looks at differences in race, class, and gender, and, and a variety of issues for marginalized populations. And I've been working with the Keefe Center here in Hamden as a hands-on kind of example for my students to see hunger in the community and see the experience of people who have hunger in the community rather than just experiencing it in the classroom. Most of the class is grounded around you enter a community, you're entering a context that you may not be familiar with, so what you have to, it has to be generated from the needs of the people that are there rather than what you think might be helpful. And as a result of interviewing roughly 20 some odd clients in the food bank, the resounding theme that kept coming up over and over again was fresh produce, fresh produce, we don't have fresh produce. And so I spent my winter break working with ShopRite, a local grocery store, to see whether they had any produce that we could sort of take and recover and, and get somehow over to the food bank. And so the first week of class, I learned that that was possible. And they've given us in the range of anywhere from minimum of about eight boxes to up to 20 boxes we picked up at one time. It's always interesting to contrast so the students are like, ugh, when they see some of the produce because it might have a bruise on it or something. And I said, put it in the bag. The client will cut it off. They'll use it if it's not completely rotten. To me, that's really valuable. I've been covering the summer by myself, which has been fun, <laughs> the occasional help here and there. I'm at the grocery store at nine. I've been using the van here at Quinnipiac because I sometimes I can get more food than I can fit in my car. It just depends on the week. I come get the van, bring the van over, back it up to the loading dock where the big trucks usually are. So the dock is kind of up here and I schlep these heavy boxes of food into the van and we bring it over to the Keefe Center. I'm Adam Sendroff. I'm the Community Development Manager. I'm responsible for the Keefe Community Center. We are at 11 Pine Street in Hamden, Connecticut, which is right off of Dixel Avenue. Here we have the Hamden Food Bank. We distribute food three days a week. Professor Hud and her students have been fantastic to help increase the amount of fresh fruits and vegetables we've had. My name is Isaiah Lopes. I oversee the community services here for the town of Hamden. Thank you to Sue Hud that she built that relationship. What ShopRite does, they're overwhelmingly providing that fresh produce, strawberries to cherries to blackberries to raspberries to bananas, cantaloupe, honeydew. Yeah. When the clients come in, this has never been done before. They actually have an opportunity because fruits and produce is, is expensive. So they have the opportunity to not only shop for their items in the pantry, but also take home that fresh produce. We want people when they come into the food bank for it to be a fresh start. And historically, food banks have concentrated on the amount of pounds of food going out to the people, but without really thinking about the nutritional quality of it. And we want to make sure that people remain healthy, that just because they may be low income or they live in a certain neighborhood, that they're not more susceptible to chronic disease or diabetes. To me, this is an ideal project, and here's why I think so, because we have a university setting, we have students coming in to volunteer, we have people in the community. I was told the first, the first few weeks we did it, several clients walked out crying because they hadn't had fresh produce in so long. So that speaks volumes to me about what the community's getting out of it. One of the things the students take away from actually seeing the food bank, having the clients come in and talk to class, they have in their heads a picture of what this person who's hungry in Hamden might look like, and it often doesn't look like what they expect. It could be a 20-year-old female that looks just like the girl in my class walking in to pick up her food. Uh, it ranges from all walks of life. Um, you hear stories when you're in the food bank of, of illness, of lost jobs, of variety of things that 
this could be you, basically, is how we always end the class. Any of these things, we all have this idea, we're going to be successful and life's going to go on and it's going to be great. But an illness could set anybody aside and put you in exactly the same place. That person that you see working as a medical assistant or working on your brakes or changing your oil, they're working, yes, you see them with a job, but they can still be struggling financially and they may utilize the food pantry as a way of offsetting the cost if it's for utility bill, if it's for their phone bill, medication. So the eyes of the way we used to see someone using the food pantry has changed. I've always taught this course with some kind of a community element. I think taking an issue like inequality and trying to explain that from a textbook. There are plenty of textbooks on this shelf that have all the statistics, and I do share some of those statistics. But I've, over my 20 years of teaching, moved more and more away from the statistics and more and more into what it feels like to be living in this part of society versus this part and trying to get people to move in both directions. So if you're over here and you don't have it, you can imagine someone over here that does have it might not see it at all and vice versa. So I'm big on community service in that way. I always have been. I definitely would like to see students try to get involved in food drives, especially because we're trying to um, bring in more produce. And if we can do drives on fresh produce or healthier foods, definitely if we can get the Quinnipiac students to maybe this year to get involved in more drives and be a part of the Keep Community Center, actually visit, take tours here, find out more about the um, food pantry and what goes on at Keep Community Center and build that partnership. I view myself as a liaison between us because this is a phenomenal learning adventure for our students, the industry, the, the people in business who are trying to get food to people, and the people in need. So it's really been powerful in that way, and I'm, I'm grateful to all three parties for letting it happen. For more information on the M.L. Keefe Community Center and its programs, or to volunteer or donate food to its food pantry, you can call them at 203-562-5129 or simply dial 211. Finally, now here's Quinnipiac University's Director of the Office of Community Service talking about the Be Kind, Leave Your Food Behind program he runs every spring, collecting food that students leave behind in the dorms that would otherwise go to waste. Vincent Contrucci, Director of the Office of Community Service. One of the initiatives that I do during the course of the academic year is called Be Kind, Leave Your Food Behind. It occurs at the end of the academic year where I encourage students as they're moving out to donate their non-perishable food items. Last year was five and a half tons. Could be anything from Nutri-Grain bars, snack bars, popcorn, ramen noodle, SpaghettiOs, Easy Mac. It runs the gamut. From things like that to even protein powder, muscle milk, it, it could be anything. Matt McAuliffe, Quinnipiac undergrad, senior. It's a good initiative. They leave the cardboard boxes outside of the rooms and really um, encouraged us to put some food in and, and do a good deed. I left behind peanut butter crackers and stuff and cereals that like I didn't eat because I'm not really a huge breakfast person. Obviously the dry foods and the ones that don't expire really quickly. I have five nonprofit partners which come to the university and pick up the food that's been donated. They're all very enthusiastic about Be Kind, Leave Your Food Behind. The majority of our partners have been receiving food from the food drive for 
many years and whenever I contact them and ask whether or not they want to be involved again it's always very yes yes we want the food their clients are always very excited about the food items that typically are received through the food drive so while we not may not necessarily be excited about ramen noodle and easy mac their clients aren't used to getting those things when they go to a food bank so that variety is is really uh, well received and they enjoy that the inspiration was a past experience I'd had at a previous institution where I'd worked. I was a resident hall director, and as I was doing room checks at the end of the year, there were students that were leaving food uh, behind in, in their apartments, and they weren't taking it. So I was like, well, if they're just leaving it, that means that there's food that's probably being thrown out or stuff that other students are also leaving. College students actually do really leave a lot of food behind and a lot goes to waste. And I grew up lucky enough to have food in my cabinets. And to be honest, it hadn't really crossed my mind until the RAs brought it up. It's super easy. It's not something that you're going great lengths for. You, you simply take the box out of your cabinet and put it in the box outside of your dorm room. That's what I did freshman year during my packing up phase to leave. I noticed food that I hadn't eaten. It was there. All I had to do was pick it up, bring it outside of my room, and drop it into a box. It's not like I'm running a mile or, or doing rocket science. It's a super easy, simple thing that can go a long way. I see it as we have something that we can use to better society as a whole, and it's our obligation as individuals to look out for the welfare of others and do what we can to assist others. And this is something that we can do as an institution to, to strengthen our overall community and be responsible players in that community. If you'd like to donate food, text the word HUNGER to 888-111 to get a map or list of food banks or pantries around Hamden. Thanks for listening to Hunger in Hamden, a project of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. This episode was reported and produced by Professor Ben Bogardis of Quinnipiac University's Journalism Department. If you haven't already, be sure to check out episodes one and two, where we look at what it means to be hungry in Hamden and how people across the community are helping. Special thanks go out to Adam Sindroff, Isaiah Lopes, and the staff at the M.L. Keefe Community Center, Bob Bergner, Allison Batson, and the many volunteers and guests at Grace and St. Peter's Episcopal Church. Jason Martinez and the United Way of Greater New Haven and its report, Facts and Faces, Food Hardship in Hamden, Quinnipiac University President Judy Olian, Vice President and Chief of Staff Bethany Zimba, Professor Sean Duffy of QU's Albert Schweitzer Institute, Professors Suzanne Hud and Amy Walker, and students in her Hunger Project course who did additional reporting for this podcast, Vincent Cartrucci of Quinnipiac University's Office of Community Service, Daquan Stuckey, and many others. For more information on Quinnipiac University, go to our website, qu.edu.